This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. The scripture reading again is from Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, if you happen to not be here last week, we introduced our new transitional pastor, Brad Burkfalk. And Brad, if you want to come up here, and uh, this week, you know, you heard a lot about Brad last week if you were here. He shared some of his story. He shared the fact that he was at the church that Pastor Mark went to, yes. and that you were instrumental in bringing him down there. Is that correct? No. 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 <laughs> Please. I just, I'm, I'm trying to give him a bad time. Actually, I, I do know something he did not share last week, and that is that, Brad, you're writing a novel. Is that right? Yes, that's And true. it's a romance novel? Sort of. It's a chick, chick lit. Oh, there you go. There you because, go. Because women are the only people that read books these days. That's true. Okay. Hey, Brad, it's really good to have you here with us. Could I pray for you real sure. quick as we, as we get going? God, thank you, thank you for bringing Brad to us. Thank you for... Um, just as we see your hand at work and how you orchestrate things, we lean into your guidance this morning. We pray for Brad as he leads us from your word. Would you bless him and would you bless us for your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Brad. Fifteen. Friday, I went up to Powerline Pass, took the Willowa Lakes Trail with Pastor Keith, and, and we saw 15 moose. Wait, wait a second. Let me check with my statistician. Pastor Keith, how many did we really see? 14. Oh, 14. But didn't we see like a couple more than once? We didn't want to count twice. You didn't want to count them twice. <laughs> we saw 16. So I, I've got my, my full share of moose. And I've got to tell you, when I was out there, I was afraid because I couldn't believe how close we were getting. And, and I, um, yeah. But, but I had Pastor Keith there, so whenever we got really close, I stayed behind him. So if they were going to tromp on anybody, it was going to be him first, so I could be here today. Um, I have been in Eagle River now for a little over a week, and uh, for those of you who were here last Sunday, you had the opportunity to get to know me a little bit through the interview that, uh, that Pastor Neil did. Uh, did with me, and, and um, when, when I got home last Sunday afternoon, I talked to my wife, Roxy, on the phone, and she asked me what were my first impressions of Community Covenant Church, and I said to her on the phone, I said, you know, my impression is, is that this church is a good church filled with people, now listen to this, I could be wrong here, but I don't think I am, filled with people who love Jesus and desire to follow him. I mean, that's what I got out of my first experience of Community Covenant. So if that is the impression that you're making on this community, way to go. Because that's the impression you gave me. I also said that I thought this church has a remarkable, 
a remarkable opportunity during this transitional time to engage our community, Eagle River, Alaska, uh, what do you call the, the valley? Is that, was that what you call it, the valley? Oh, no, not the bush, the, like up, up Glen Highway. The valley. Okay, so yeah, I'm starting to get the lingo down here. Anyway, we have this wonderful opportunity during transition to actually rethink and retool and be prepared to, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ um, to all of these places. And I want to be part of that with you. Now, as you might imagine, part, part of my job as the transitional pastor is to learn as quickly as possible what makes this congregation tick. And uh, what I have discovered about this congregation, I would like to just uh, share with you here for a moment. You see, one of the jobs of a transitional pastor is sort of do, to do a little archaeology and a little anthropology and through conversations and through listening begin to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Am I keeping up with the slide thing? It's not working. Oh, it's not working? It's not working. Oh, that makes me so happy. Okay. So as I've been going around the community, I stop at, uh, you know, your local coffee shops and I sit and I talk with people and listen to their conversations. Um, this, this happened to me last week. I was eating lunch with uh, Curtis Ivanoff, the director of uh, the Alaska Ministries, and we went to pay our bill, and the waitress said to us, oh, your bill has already been paid for by somebody. No problem. Is, is that what you guys do here? <laughs> I, I like this place. Anyway, um, I went to open my bank account, and the young woman was very nice. She, she, she messed up my transaction, but she was still nice about it. Um, I, 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 I have learned a lot about Eagle River, just watching and listening. This is what I've learned. I have learned very quickly, in fact, that people in Eagle River like, no, they love the outdoors. Is that, does that surprise you? Yeah, okay. You're, why else would you be here through six months of dark if there wasn't some really compelling reason? And, 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 and uh, every, I'll tell you what gave that away to me right away is everywhere I drive, I see yards filled with outdoor toys like motorhomes. We call them snowmobiles where I come from. Yeah, I know you call them snow machines and these rugged vehicles with gun racks in the back. Everywhere I go, that's what I see. Yeah. Just keep your guns in the rack, okay? That's all I have. Another indicator of this community that I see that the people who live here place a high value on is friendliness. I commented about this when I got off the plane and, and Pastor Neil gave me a ride uh, from the airport home. And I said, Neil, this is amazing. People, people are friendly here. Where, Neil, where I come from, the, their idea of friendliness is not waving their fist at you when you cut them off in traffic. And so this has just been a very friendly place. And uh, I had a really warm and engaging conversation with a store clerk and a bank teller and server at the restaurant. And they all asked, so uh, maybe they can see it in my eyes, but they said, are you new here? So what I want to know is, what is it that gives it away? Uh, don't, don't tell me now. All right. Another indicator that I've seen in the very short time that I've been here of, of, uh, 
of what makes this community tick is that what you see on the outside is not always indicative of what's on the inside, right? I mean, you drive around and uh, you, you look at some homes and they're, they're pretty rather beaten and they're pretty worn out and, you, and they got a bunch of stuff, you know, cars on blocks sitting in front of them and stuff. And you realize when you, when you get up close and look inside that they're actually very nice on the inside. So, so what you see on the outside is not always indicative of what's, not, what's going on on the inside, right? And that's not just true about our houses. It's also true, I suppose, about the people who live here. There is a hearty and a, a adventurous kind of character. And I, I'm really... I've really been pleasantly surprised by kind of the lack of pretension that I see among people, especially compared to where I came from. What a breath of fresh air when people smile and, and interact with you as if they actually care. Uh, that's really wonderful, and I can see why you like it here. As I've met a number of people here in the last week or so, many of you have approached me and you've told me your name. That's really Thank you. Uh, and by the way, uh, one of the things that can help me while I'm new here for the next uh, year and a half or so, um, could you wear a name tag? Because that would be helpful. And I know I'm not wearing one right now, but I will, I promise. Um, but that's one way that we can get to know each other and we don't have to be embarrassed by the fact that we might not remember each other's name. Now, you know, I can get away with it. What was your name again? Or Have we met before? You'll hear me say that many, many times. But um, if you wear the name tag, then I can pretend like I know you, like we've been fast friends for years. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, anyway, as I've met people, you've been friendly. And, and um, someone came up to me last Sunday and they said uh, to me, thank you for being honest and vulnerable. And um, I, I thought about that, that a lot before I told you the story of kind of my prodigal experience of running away from God and from my pastoral ministry. But as I look back on it, I'm glad I did because I want you to know something about me. Um, I, I, I struggle with the same issues that you do. And, you know, so you, you don't have to look at me as someone that's got it all figured out. I, I might have figured out one or two things that you don't have figured out yet, but you probably have a bunch of stuff figured out that I don't. So that was the reason I did that. And I, I, I'm really gratified by the fact that some of you appreciated that. Now, those of you who didn't appreciate that are going, oh, brother, he's going to get up there and tell us about some crazy thing. I, you know, I'm not going to do that on a regular uh, basis, but I thought it was important for you to see my heart at some level in order for us to to connect and, and in the next year or two really see how God can use this ministry that we have uh, the opportunity to share together. Well, um, the last thing that has been really wonderful for me is that I have been invited over to your homes for lunch and dinner, and you have no idea how great that is as I'm living as a bachelor. I, I welcome the opportunity, by the way, so if you have some extra food... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm eating frozen pizza and taco. I mean, how many times can you eat taco meat in, in a row until it's, you know, let's see, I had tacos the first night, then I had uh, ta uh, taco meat on chips the second night, and the third night I had taco salad. I mean, it just gets old. So if, if you want to help me, liberate me from that, I will say yes to whatever you have to offer. Well, I mean, these are all really important indicators of, of what makes this church and this community tick. 
Um, but as we begin for the next few weeks to talk about this idea of life together, um, what we're really talking about is something that's quite different from this. We're, we're talking for uh, the next few moments, at least, uh, about the indicators of, of what, it, what a, a church that is committed to this idea of life together looks like. And the first place we're going to dip into is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, um, 34 to 40, and we've already had that read for us. As you will recall from the text that was read just a moment ago, a teacher of the law, a religious scholar, somebody who spent their life studying the Bible, the Jewish Bible in this case, he approached Jesus and he asked him this question. He says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Now, whenever you see a religious scholar do this in the Gospels, you can automatically assume that they are up to something. They are up to something. And, and as you will probably already know, that there are many times in the course of Jesus' ministry where a religious leader approaches Jesus and they, they don't have pure motives, right? And this is, this is also the case here. In this case, this religious re- leader is testing Jesus to see if he still affirms sort of the foundational teaching of the Jewish law. That's that's what this question is driving Jesus to. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus, of course, he knows what's going on. And he recites back to this religious scholar this phrase. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This phrase is a very important phrase in the Hebrew tradition, in the Hebrew religious tradition, in the Old Testament. And this phrase is referred to as the Shema, the Shema, for whatever that's worth. If you have Jewish friends and you ask them or you tell them, hey, my my pastor today uh, spoke about the Shema, their eyes will light up and they'll go, really? Because they know about the Shema. Every young Jewish boy who learns to memorize scripture memorizes this phrase, the Shema. They know it by heart. They can recite it backwards and forwards. They know where you can find it. And uh, this Shema, this, this phrase, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, formed the basis of ancient Jewish understanding of how God relates to God's people. So when Jesus quoted this very important Jewish text back to this Jewish leader, who was trying to trap him, I can imagine that when the Jewish leader heard this, he, um, he was overjoyed. Okay, whew, Jesus... Jesus isn't as heretical as people are saying because he still understands the the single most important scripture for the Jewish uh, adherent. And then Jesus did something that this Jewish leader was not expecting. He he quotes a second commandment right on the, the tail of this one. He says, and the second one is like this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that wasn't part of the Shema. That's not how they learned it. Jesus added it. 
I mean, it's still in the Old Testament, but Jesus linked these two very important passages from the Old Testament. One from, I believe it's Deuteronomy, the other one from Leviticus. And, and when Jesus did this, get this, he was capturing, if, if you can see this, the two most important indicators of what life together looks like. Now, uh, Scott McKnight, who is a New Testament uh, professor, a friend of mine, actually, I'm not name dropping if I know the guy, right? Okay. He uh, wrote a book called uh, Jesus Creed, and he says this about this principle of spiritual formation around this phrase. He calls it the Jesus Creed. He says, a spiritually formed person loves God and loves others. Now, ask yourself the question, am I a spiritually formed person? You know what the indicators are? Do you love God? And does your love for God spill over into your love for others? The mark of a church that wants to learn how to do life together is that they love God and that they love others. And let's take a second, a minute or two, to talk about what this means, to love God and to love others. I won't belabor the point. You're all smart people. But let's kind of unpack this a little bit. I've got a couple of ideas that I I want you to be able to sort of think about, mull around in your mind maybe this week, and see how they might work their way into your everyday life. Because, you see, if if what I say here... um, doesn't have any import for us in real life, what's the point? And I, and I, I really want this, uh, this, this idea that we can share life together in such a way that our love for God and our love for others is the foundational and fundamental expression of our lives, whatever we do, wherever we go, whoever we happen to be with. Now, I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I overcomplicate my faith. You know, I'm kind of a brooder. I'm a thinker. I'll, I'll read a text and I'll go, yeah, but I can think of an occasion where that's not true. Or, oh, yeah, but that's not as easy as it looks. Or, you know, I spend my days thinking about God and thinking about my faith and thinking about our life as a church. You know, I, 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 I'm obsessive about it, really. You know, my wife sometimes has to come to me and say, hey, Brad, let's... Let's go do something else. I can tell you're brooding again. But what I think this, this text that Jesus um, uses from the Old Testament to describe the two most uh, important indicators for our life together, I think what this text does, at least for me, is it says, hey, wait a second. As easy it is for, for you to complicate things, as easy it is for you to come up with reasons and excuses why you can't do that, you know what? It doesn't get too much more complicated than this. If you want to be part of a community of faith that shares life together, you've got to love God and you've got to love others. Brad, can you do that? Yeah, I'm trying, but there's this person in my life that I really, it's, they're really hard to love. I know. So what does this love for God look like? First, when I, uh, whenever you read in the Bible uh, where it talks about love, it always refers to love as a, as a deliberate and volitional 
commitment rather than some some romantic and soft, cuddly notion where the man wows the woman with his good looks and his strength and his aftershave. And the woman bats her eyes waiting for her man to sweep him off the feet. That's not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here or the Old Testament's talking about that Jesus is quoting. This kind of love that I'm just describing is mostly in the movies, on, on TV. And for those of you who've been in a marriage for any length of time, you, you know what I'm talking about. And those of you who are about to be in a marriage, I'm warning you, okay? I'm warning you. It's not like that. The kind of love that Jesus is talking about in this passage is the kind of love that calls us to the very limits of our capacities. It's not interested so much in how we feel or whether or not the ambience is just right, the candles are lit and the, and the, and the music is playing. The kind of love that Jesus is, is, is referring to in this text is the kind of love where you roll up your sleeves and you get to work, hard work, loving people. And the second characteristic of love for God is that this kind of love is not affected by external circumstances, right? I mean, I don't, this is sort of a silly example, but, you know, you put up with six months of dark and miserable weather here and, and you know, buying extra water and fuel the night before you're going to have 100-mile-an-hour winds that never happen. You know, what's with that? Uh, you do all that because you have a profound love uh, for this place, right? Okay, that's sort of what I think Jesus is talking about. It's not about what goes on outside of us that prompts us to be able to love like this. This kind of love, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, the implication of this kind of love is is that it comes from the very seat of who we are. It's not something that we can muster from someplace else. Now, I want to... Give you insight into me a little bit here. I am a hopeless romantic. This is really hard for me to be away from my family. Um, I didn't think it would be, but it's harder than I thought. And so I I have a friend, and again, I shouldn't be telling you this because he's going to be visiting me in a few weeks. Uh, And what we do at night after after my wife has gone to bed is he'll text me and he'll say, Hey, you want to watch a movie together and text each other while we're watching a movie? And I'll go, yeah, what movie? And it's always the same. He says, Notting Hill. Have any of you watched Notting Hill? I love that movie. I've seen it 60 times if I've seen it once. So there we are. It's late, 10 o'clock at night, and we're each watching our respective TVs, watching Notting Hill, and we're texting back to each other the, 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 the words on the film. I mean, is that bizarre or what? The kind of love that Jesus is talking about is not based in that kind of thing. It's the kind of love where if you're having a bad day and everything's going bad, this kind of love remains constant because external circumstances have nothing to do with this kind of love. A third characteristic of this kind of love is that it's, it's a sacred love. It, it's a sacred love that reflects the best of, of who we are, without expectation, without manipulation, with, or, or stipulation, right? I'll love you if, right? 
When, when we love with all of our soul, we do so because God, and we've been singing about this in our worship today, has been the first one to love us. This kind of love is a love that reflects the best of who we are without expectation. And then the fourth characteristic of this love for God is it's the kind of love that reflects our decision to love even when, even when our emotions tell us otherwise. Have you noticed when people's affection for another is based on something that the other person can do for them? Have you noticed those kinds of exchanges? For example, um, um, you might hear somebody say, Oh, when I am with him, he, he makes me feel so good. Yeah, have, you, have you said that? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Uh, or or, 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 you, or a, a man will say, You know, I, I love you because you are beautiful. Well, I hate to break it to you, guy, but she's not always going to be beautiful. In fact, what happens when both you and she grow older and some of that physical beauty sort of drops uh, an inch or two? (laughs) Think about that. Anyway, my point is this. We, we have all kinds of reasons that we love. You may be a fishing fanatic, so you go out and you buy a new fishing pole, and you love that pole until you can't get the, the big one that you've been hoping for. So you, you toss that pole aside, or you loan it to the visiting transitional pastor so he can go fishing, but no, nevertheless, and you go get a new one because it's all in the pole. Or if you golf, you know, you buy these brand new set of clubs and you go golfing, and, you, and it doesn't improve your game, and it never does, but you get frustrated, you throw those aside, and you, get, you buy a new set. You see, this is the kind of conditional love that we all sort of express at one time or another. This is not the kind of uh, the love that... that Jesus is talking about as he quotes this passage of Scripture. And then, as you noted, or as I noted, I guess, um, Jesus adds this second commandment to the answer to this religious scholar. And when Jesus does this, Jesus is, is connecting sort of that vertical relationship with God to the, histor- uh, the horizontal relationship that we have to have with uh, people in our lives. And, and, and the interesting thing to note about this is that the character, the quality and the character of our love is the same as our love for God, but it just goes a different direction. So you could take all of these things that I've just said about our love for God and you could translate them directly to how we deal with other people. That's, that's Jesus' point, really. What does this love for others actually look like? Well, Jesus had in mind that this neighborly love sort of extends beyond the, the realm of our, of our present relationships to those people who are just, just outside of our community. You see, it's, it's easy. It's easy to love people who love us back. It's easy to love people who are like us. We can all do that. Let's not pat ourselves on the back for doing that. There's nothing big, there's no big deal about that. But the kind of love that Jesus is talking about is the kind of love that, that, that asks us to love that person who we may not naturally be inclined to love. There was a kid in my high school 
I, occasionally I, I go way back in my life to my teenage years to, to uh, draw some illustrative material. I hope you don't mind that. It's mostly because that, those were really rich years for me with all kinds of crazy things that I did. And so uh, I'm not living in the past. It just seems some of those things are really funny, and I, I like to talk about them. But anyway, they, when I was in high school, there was a kid in my school named Lenny. And I had an art class with Lenny, and uh, he was the worst artist in the class, by far. You know, while the rest of us were, were drawing sort of complex figures, and we were using shading and color to, to, to make the, the art we were doing sort of look presentable, Lenny was still drawing stick figures and appeared to be happy as a clam doing it. Well, one day the teacher, the art teacher, came into class and he asked us to pair up and draw a comic strip with a partner. And of course, everybody in the class is going, I'm not going, I'm not going to be with Lenny. And so everybody quickly paired up, and there I am. Guess who's my partner? Lenny. Well, we went to work coming up with the idea for this comic strip, deciding how we wanted to portray in a very few boxes this story, which is what comics do. And uh, when our comic strip was finished, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. And I, I was a little frustrated because I knew that my grade was going to be connected to this piece of work that I had done with Lenny. And Anyway, we turned it in, and, and uh, when the teacher returned this project to us, to my surprise, there was an A- minus on the top of the piece of art. I kind of looked at this, and I said, what, what's with that? And as I got up to, to leave the class that day, the teacher caught my eye, and he winked at me, as if to say, I know. Way to go. The kind of love that Jesus is describing in this text for others is the kind of love that extends itself to the Lennies of the world. Let me give you a couple of quick characteristics of love that you can perhaps put into practice this week. The first way that uh, we can love is by listening. Listening. This seems kind of simple, doesn't it? But with texting and with television and with iPods and iPads and, well, pretty much everything, we aren't very good listeners. We're not very good listeners. And if you want to begin to love, the first step to love, like Jesus is describing in this text, especially those who are hard to love, is by listening. The second way that we can begin to love, the way Jesus is describing in this text, is by treating others the same way that we would prefer to be treated ourselves. Why is that so hard for us? It's hard for me. A few uh, months ago, I was at a Denny's, and it was 
really crowded for some, some reason. It was crawling with people, and, and we were on our way someplace, my wife and two friends of ours, and we said to the waitress as we sat down, we have to leave here at this time. Could you make sure that our, our, our food gets here so we can eat it and pay the bill and be on our way? Oh, yes, uh, sure, certainly. So there we sat, and we had a nice time uh, chatting with some old friends back in New England. And before we knew it, it was like five minutes before we had to get up and leave, and our food was nowhere to be found. And we called the waitress over, and we said, you know, what gives? We, we, we told you that we were in a hurry. Um, she said, you know, we, we, we're training new cooks today, and they haven't quite got it figured out. I'm so sorry. You know, I'll package it to go. And we said, yeah, that'll be fine. And so as we got up to pay the bill, we paid the bill, and we gave this woman the biggest tip that, that we've ever given anybody in our lives. The reason is, is because it wasn't her fault, and we wanted to somehow express this kind of love, that if I was in the same situation, the same kind of predicament, how would I want to be treated? The third and simple way that we can love others is by giving them, get this, by giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I, there's sometimes when I work up in my mind that when I get mistreated or somebody's rude to me or, you know, whatever, I'm thinking, oh, they're after me. They're out to get me. And all of a sudden I spin off that, those, those thoughts to the place where, okay, there's a conspiracy out there to, to ruin my life and ruin my day. And all of a sudden that's the way you live your life. And I, I practice this a lot because I need to. Give others the benefit of doubt. And when I do that, I, it's hard for me not to love them. Yeah, they may have messed up your day. They may have uh, screwed up some aspect of your life. But in the end, give them the benefit of the doubt. That is one of the ways that I think God calls us to love. So, having spent all this time talking about loving God, loving others... What does this have to do, really, with this idea, this sermon series, this Wednesday night program that we're calling Life Together? The reason that I have selected this text to kick off our sermon series on Life Together is because I believe, I believe that if we cannot love God well, then we won't be able to love others well. If we can't love others well, then we will never understand how to do life together the way Jesus intends. Real, honest-to-goodness community that goes deeper than the casual hello, that goes deeper than that brief conversation about the weather. It only comes when we, when you and I, are willing to get past the trivialities of our lives and begin to talk about what matters most in our lives. And somewhere down there, it better be about God and faith, and salvation, and all those things that are the, are the prime elements of our life and breath. The truth of the matter is this. If we can't love God well, we won't be able to love others well. And if we can't do this, then we are a long way from experiencing the kind of life together that God desires to have for us today. Now, as I begin my ministry with you, I've been nervous being up here for the very first time because I know you're sitting here going, huh, 
Let's see if he's like Mark. (laughs) And as you can see, I'm not. But I want our ministry together as we embark over the next number of months, me as your pastor, as we talk about life together, I want you to know that I want our love for God and our love for others to be reflected in everything that we do. I, so, so I want you to ask this question of yourself today. I'm sorry to, to you know, push this at you a little bit. Not, you might not be used to this, but get used to it because this is what I do. But here's the question. Will you join me? Will you join me in committing yourself to love God with more passion and more conviction than you've ever loved God before during this interim time? Will you do that? And, and will you... Join me in allowing that love, that passion for God to spill over into your relationships with those that you come in contact with throughout your week. You see, friends, if we do this well, if we do this well, the impact of our life together will reach beyond the boundaries of Community Covenant Church. They will reach beyond the, the boundaries of Eagle River. They will reach beyond the boundaries of Alaska. They will reach to the very utter ends of the earth. And that's the point, isn't it? Here we go, God. Here we go. Show us and nudge us and present to us opportunities to love you more passionately. And then give us the courage and the willingness and the ability to extend that love we have received from you to those around us. That's, that's my prayer today, God, for each of us here the Community Covenant Church, in the name of Jesus. Amen.